Girlfriends, episode number 157, Mind Your Catholic Manners with Jacqueline Youst. Hello and welcome to Girlfriends. I'm Danielle Bean. I'm a wife and a mom, and I'm on a mission to help you know your worth as a woman so you can find peace, balance, and joy in family living. This week, we are talking about etiquette, manners, old-fashioned and new-fashioned style with my guest, Jacqueline Yaus. Can't wait to share her with you. Let's get going. Hey, girlfriends. Welcome back to the Girlfriends Podcast. So glad that you are here with me on this winter morning as I'm recording this. I am not recording this in my car today because guess what? It is five below zero out there. So um, no, we got a major blizzard over the weekend and we are buried in snow. And now we're sitting sitting tight for the deep freeze that's going to last for several days. But that's life here in New Hampshire. I've been making the most of it, trying to do a little bit of baking, lighting candles. You know, the boys keep the wood stove going in the fireplace there, but for the most part, I'm just sort of focusing on enjoying the fact that we can be cozy this time of year, a feeling that you can't really cultivate in July. So looking for those kind of um, silver lining in what could otherwise be kind of a miserable experience. But you know what else? And I don't say this to Dan very often because he's the one who's out there shoveling and clearing snow off of cars and just dealing with the plow guy and all of that. I don't have to do that. I can stay inside and drink coffee and look out the window and say, it really is beautiful. <laughs> Sorry, but the snow is beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. When we get fresh snow and everything is white, such a peacefulness and a stillness. I absolutely love that part of the season here in New Hampshire. Yes, it might last a little too long. Yes, when this is going on a month and a half from now, I'm going to be on here talking to you, complaining about it going on for way too long. But truly, there's a lot of beauty in the natural world in each of the different seasons. And I was talking to my boys about it the other day when we were driving and because it was so clear out, we had a really blue sky and you could really clearly see the mountains in the distance that we usually can't see. So, you know, we we live in New Hampshire near the White Mountains and other um, smaller mountains like Mount Shakora. And um, I believe that was the one we were seeing in the distance. And it wasn't one that we often get to see. And just talking with my boys about the gift of living in a beautiful place and how, honestly, they probably take it for granted. I know I do. We live, um, you know, near beautiful lakes and forests and mountains and wherever you live. I want to encourage you this week to look for some beauty in it, even if it's 20 below zero, (laughs) even if there's an ice storm outside. I want to encourage you to look for that beauty. And if you don't see it in the outdoors, look for ways to cultivate it in your home, which is what I've been focused on. I wanted to mention real quick, um, an upcoming topic for a podcast is going to be decluttering major decluttering. Okay. We need to do this. And this time of year is a great time to do it. I just want to put that bug in your ear because if you have an idea or a take on decluttering or a question about decluttering, I know we shared last week um, a question from a listener about just handling the buildup of clutter in her home and wanting a more of a sense of organization. Maybe you've been watching Marie Kondo's new Netflix series. She's the author of that wildly popular book, the, let me see if I can remember it, The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up, the Japanese author who went viral a couple of years ago when her book was released and it was all about decluttering. Really, tidying up is sort of the Japanese way of saying decluttering. Um, 
Anyway, I'm going to take that topic on in a future podcast. I haven't decided exactly what take I'm going to be approaching it with, but I'm open to your input. I'm open to hearing your questions, your struggles, your triumphs. I've been working my way through um, our bedroom. First of all, I did that this past weekend. I am recording in it right now, and it feels delightful in here. Very clean, very organized. I wonder how long it will stay that way. Um, but I also mentioned to you the mudroom a couple of weeks ago, I think. I think it's been a couple of weeks, and I still haven't cleaned it out. So I'm going to hold myself accountable again, mentioning the mudroom. Going to tackle that sometime if I don't get to it on an evening this week, then definitely next weekend, take a deep dive in there and clear out. Most of it is probably stuff that I can just get rid of and throw away. So that's going to be my little encouragement going in there. But I wanted to kind of request your feedback. And also, before we get started with my special guest this week, I want to share with you some updates about You Are Enough, which is still available. You can follow that link in the show notes to Amazon. You can get your copy today. And I want to give a shout out. Thank you to those of you who have left Amazon reviews for me. Those are very helpful very helpful way of getting word out about the book to other people who might be interested in that title. But a new exciting development is we're talking about and we're beginning to work on um, making plans for recording an audio version of the book. I know I heard from a number of you who prefer to listen to books. I am right there with you. Marie Kondo's book is on my Audible list right now, and I'm looking forward to listening to that while I'm doing work around the house or working out or going for walks. Um, so I'm excited that this is going to be something that we're going to be offering very soon in the near future, an audio version of You Are Enough for those of you who like to listen on the go. And um, so I'll keep you updated on that when I have more information about when, where, and how you can order that, how you can take advantage of that audio version of my newest book, You Are Enough, What Women of the Bible Teach You About Your Mission and Worth. All right, this week, we are talking with Jacqueline Yaust, who is an etiquette expert. I'm going to give her a little bit of an introduction at the beginning of our interview here, so I won't do too much. But what we talk about is Catholic values and how those line up with modern day etiquette, manners, mismanners type of stuff. Is there a connection there? Well, Jacqueline is going to be sharing with you her perspective. And I know you're going to be very interested in the kind of work she does and what she has to offer. So, Here's me with Jacqueline. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Girlfriends. I'm really excited because I have a special guest joining me here today, Jacqueline Yoast. Jacqueline Yoast is an etiquette expert and founder of the Pennsylvania Academy of Protocol. Jacqueline specializes in teaching children and young adults the value and importance of having good manners. Jacqueline writes a weekly column, Respectfully Yours, where she gives practical advice on applying manners in everyday situations. She also is on the board of directors for the National Civility Foundation. She's a Catholic mom and has four young adult children. Welcome, Jacqueline. I'm so glad you're here on Girlfriends. Hi, Danielle. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so I'm I'm fascinated by what you do. You sent me an email letting me know a little bit about your work, and I clicked around on your website. I was like, I, I am so thrilled that this exists, honestly. Um, maybe just to get us started, you could let us know, um, you know, this whole idea of being a Catholic mom, having Catholic values, how does that get incorporated into a world of manners and where you're actually doing this for a living, teaching people about civility. That happened almost by accident. I was teaching etiquette and I, for a while, and I realized that, wow, the foundation of what I'm doing is 
being kind to other people, the golden rule, uh, gratitude, mm -hmm. the, the whole package. And I was like, wait a minute, this is my faith that I'm teaching. Right. That's so interesting. Now, so in, in your work, are you teaching manners like which fork to use, manners like sending thank you notes, or is it, does it cover all of that? All of that. I teach dining etiquette and social skills. Nice. Okay. And um, what, what are your clients like? What kind of people are you working with? I mostly, ironically enough, I get a lot of little boys. Really? <laughs> They're boys. Um, mm -hmm. I thought it would be the other way because I was holding uh, many charm schools for girls. Sure. And But my market was taking a heavy turn towards a lot of inquiries from mothers of young boys. Nice. I like that. I mean, and you know what? I think, Jacqueline, the, the number one thing that comes to my mind when I'm thinking about the kind of work you do is, like, do people do this anymore? You know, I mean, I know you have clients and I know that there, that there are people that are looking for your services, but is it extra challenging in today's world where it's like, you know, like just the other day, I got a written thank you note in the mail and I was charmed because this is an unusual event, right? Yes, it is. And yeah, that's extremely rare. So whoever sent that to you, I applaud them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to let them know. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. do you find that that's a, a unique challenge for you as like an etiquette expert? Which part? The, like in, in today's world that these things are almost seemed like old old fashioned or there's new generations who are thinking we don't need to do that stuff anymore. What kind of challenge is that? Well, ironically, it has a new name, at least that I've just seen called emotional intelligence. Oh, I like that. And they're teaching that to primarily the incoming to the workforce, which would be your, primarily your millennials. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, there are a lot. That's why I teach young adults, because they are missing out on a lot. And they have a lot of competition when they go out to when they graduate from college. Right. Sure. So, so the thank you notes after interviews and the handshakes, if you know that you have an edge. Because, you know, they're all equally educated. And then you have 500 people with the same education competing for the same job. Right, right. So manners is a way you can stand out, right? Oh, absolutely. The soft skills. Yeah. Okay, so um, we've mentioned a couple, but what do you think, like, if I were to ask you, what, like, oh, let's say, Jacqueline, that you have the opportunity mm -hmm. to mm, lay the law of the land and change, like, two things in our society, things that maybe that people don't do anymore or things that you consider rude that people don't really think about. What do you think are the, the major issues in today's society? I believe it's not connecting with other people. Everybody is so distracted. Mm -hmm. Nobody makes eye contact with you when you go out. Mm -hmm. um, everybody has their faces buried in their electronic device of choice. And mm -hmm. they're not making connections. That's my biggest pet peeve. And is that something that um, your experience as a mom it has helped you to kind of realize? Because I know you said you have young adult children. You don't have to out them with their manners, behaviors. But um, being a mom of adult children myself, I, I think I know where maybe you, some of this inspiration comes from. Oh, yes, definitely. They, especially during a meal or mm -hmm. Yeah, they don't want to put down the electronic devices and actually communicate. And they're losing communication skills. Mm -hmm. 
They no. don't contribute to conversations. I do a lot of conversation skills on how to make small talk. And with little kids, we throw a ball back and forth and they have to ask open-ended questions and they have a really hard time with that. So I go over that a lot. I like that. I think I think some of some people in my home could use that help um, <laughs> because you know it's so funny because it, while you're talking about that I've remembered a recent conversation between my husband and my oldest daughter who's 24 and she's she mentioned you know oh I just talked to him this morning and or, you know my husband was like oh you you called him or whatever and she's like no it was a text and he's like that's not talking, <laughs> you know. But we've, oh, I know. Yeah. we've got a whole generation of young people for whom that is the go-to mode of communication, and for sure, it's limited um, in its real connection with other human beings. Now, um, I know some people, and my husband is one of them, who kind of reject this idea of small talk. But I'm interested in knowing, from like a manners standpoint, what's the point of small talk? Small talk is actually big talk, especially in business. You make your connections over the small talk when you're asking about family vacations or the weather or sports. It's something to make a connection because people do business with people that they trust. Mm -hmm. So if you make a connection during the small talk, it helps pave the way for the big important talk. Right. So in business, that's very important. Oh, I think that's an interesting take on it. Um, and okay, so let's talk about, we talked a little bit about your Catholic faith and how that kind of came in unexpectedly to this career <laughs> you had um, in etiquette and manners. Um, but maybe you could describe that for us just a little bit, where, what kind of process was it to kind of trust in what God's plan was for this work that you're doing? Well, the, the foundation is that every person is precious and that people are more important than things. Mm-hmm. And that is making a connection and being sincere and not being a phony when you're asking somebody how they're doing and you're looking over their shoulder and you're, you have to focus on the person. Mm-hmm. And um, but I was I was just looking at some of the, some of the notes that you sent me about incorporating oh. your Catholic values, and you know I think that y- you mentioned um, a particular experience that you had with nuns, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe you could share that with us. Yeah, this all happened by accident, and I I actually wasn't rowing the boat here. Well, I was rowing the boat, but I wasn't directing the path where I hold my workshops just so happened to be at a place called St. Francis Center for Renewal. Mm-hmm. I didn't catch on right away that, <laughs> wait a minute, I'm being surrounded by uh, Catholics. Um, it, it just, the pieces just kept going together. I'm like, wait a minute, what's going on here? Everybody that's in my world is Catholic. And I stepped back and went, huh. <laughs> I missed something here. So, yeah, everything came together and formulated into I and I met uh, Megan Ashley. Yes, who's been on and Girlfriends. I, so, listeners might be familiar. Megan Ashley is the stylist that we had on Girlfriends who was helping us clean out our closets. And I was like, <laughs> "Wow. There's a Catholic stylist." Right. Oh, and a light bulb went off. Mm-hmm. I was like, "Wow, I really need to incorporate the word Catholic into what I do. 
And I found I'm the only one. <laughs> the only Catholic etiquette expert. Yeah. You've got a real niche market there. I think that's great. Yeah, it's funny. I wasn't planning on going that. And I was thinking, oh, that might not be a good idea for business because I would be alienating. Mm -hmm. But I trusted that this all came formulated for a reason. And I was going to run with it because I figured if this is the way it was going, God wasn't going to let me down. Right. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, you're pushing me this way. And everybody that I'm dealing with is Catholic. I'm, yep. I'm going to go with it and I'm going to run with it. Well, as you're beginning to do that with your, your work, um, what, are, what are you finding, Jacqueline? Do, do Catholics as a culture or as a religious group have different etiquette needs or questions or struggles than the, the population at large? I don't think so, but I think they're more in tune with my message. Right, right. The value uh, of the person. Gratitude. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and gratitude and being gracious and being humble. Right. Yeah, I think that's great. Um, I mean, you can't do the etiquette thing if you're going to be a phony. It has to come from inside. Yeah. And I think people know if you're phony. <laughs> so I think that that's really an important point to make. Um, and, and I like that because it really is, you know, I always say that everybody's Catholic. They just don't know it yet. Right. Because we have the fullness of truth inside the Catholic Church. So if you're a person who recognizes truth when you see it, eventually, if you're seeking the truth, you're going to wind up in the same place. Um, so I, I love that, that we have that value of the human person and of connecting with others and of gratitude. Um, in what ways do you try to teach your, your clients gratitude beyond thank you notes? Are there other ways? Oh, we do a lot of work with uh, giving and receiving compliments. Oh, this is tough. Yes. So tell me about this because <laughs> these are things that I know I've struggled with and I've seen other people struggle with it because you know what? When you give someone a sincere compliment, nothing feels worse than when they reject it or, or try that's to belittle exactly it. it. So tell and me, tell exactly me about it. that. How, how are we supposed to receive compliments? Oh, well, the first thing you're not supposed to do is shoot them down because then, <laughs> just like you said, we all have a knack. I, I do. I find myself doing that and I have to correct myself. But somebody will say, oh, that's a nice coat. And I'm like, oh, I've had that forever. That's not what you're supposed right. to do. <laughs> you're supposed to say thank you so much and then return the compliment to them. I, you know, I, I like your coat or whatever it is that you want to say, but you return the compliment and you let them know that you acknowledge the compliment and that you're great, great, uh, what's the word, uh, grateful for it. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's a real connection that you can make with people, not being a flatterer, but giving sincere compliments to other people. Yeah. It has to be sincere. Right. Right. I mean, because I think, like we said, people know when you're phony. And if you're just looking to make a compliment to, you know, kiss up to somebody, that's not going to go over. But oh, so I love that. So being being gracious in giving and receiving compliments. What are some other hot button topics that you deal with? Hot button topics. Well, it doesn't, all hot button <laughs> I do, it doesn't have to be controversial, but maybe just something that in, in our world today, we're lacking beyond cell phone use and, um, you know, failure to make eye contact. Um, are there other kind of bygone things that you wish would make a comeback? I don't know if it's so much bygone, but one of the things is paying it forward. Mm -hmm. 
the world has set apart certain days for kindness day, pay it forward day. If, you know, every calendar day is a something day, taco day or something. I think you should pay it forward every day. Mm-hmm. Not just on designated days. Right. <laughs> so I, I like to talk a lot about paying it forward mm-hmm. as becoming part of who you are and owning it. Right. No, I think that makes sense. And I, so what are some examples that you might suggest for paying it forward? Oh, my goodness. Holding the door for people. You know, there's nothing worse than when you walk to a door and the person in front of you has just let it shut in your face. <laughs> <laughs> that can ruin your whole day. You want to hold the door all the time, wherever you are, and turn around and look. It's yep. not difficult. Um, buying somebody coffee when you're out at your coffee shop or whatever it is. Nice. Um, yeah, I think the door in the face is one of my biggest things. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's a simple thing, but like you said, it does matter. Like it does matter because you can make somebody's day. If you hold the door and smile at them, they could be having a really lousy day. Right. But you, you can turn somebody's whole day around with something so small. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Oh, I totally agree. Um, And then we mentioned a little bit about, you know, the cell phone culture that we live in. But cell phones bring a whole new genre of etiquette questions, don't they? I mean, I recently was talking with somebody about um, whether or not you can text somebody any time of day. I'm interested in your take on this because she and I disagreed (laughs) on the etiquette of whether or not it's okay to text somebody even in the middle of the night, even if it's not something important because, okay, I'll go ahead and tell you my point. Uh, My thought was I turn my phone off at night so people can text me at one in the morning if they want and I'll get back to them when I do, kind of treating it like email. It's not disrupting me. But her point was some people leave their phones on and you might be waking them up for something stupid that you happen to think of and you know at midnight or whatever. So I'm wondering what the, the official take is if there is an official take on etiquette for cell phones with that. Wow. Well, you shouldn't just be randomly sending messages. <laughs> I'm in trouble. <laughs> oh, well, I I actually keep mine on for children out in the world sure. who are on the road at different times. I can't shut it off. I would feel terrible if I shut it off and somebody was sick or somebody needed sure. me. But if, if they're texting me something ridiculous at one o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I won't text you, Jacqueline. <laughs> You know, like, what's for dinner tomorrow? No, please don't do that. Right. Okay. Okay. And then what about, you know, because cell phones are just everywhere. If you're like out to dinner, you've already mentioned not having cell phones at the table. Um, But I've witnessed this even in a business setting, like being at a business lunch with a group of people that multiple people will keep their phones right on the table. And even if they're not picking them up, they're like dinging through the entire conversation. I find that crazy, like to be that clueless about, I'm going to stick my device here and everybody has to listen to it beep and ding and I'm going to pick it up and look at it every once in a while. Like, that's a very basic no-no, correct? That's a very basic no-no. You have to put it away because 
we have a tendency to grab them and fumble with them and check them and turn them over. Yeah. No, no, you have to pay attention to the people that are right in front of you at that moment. Right. And I'm a big believer in that. And so if I'm out and, you know, having lunch with friends or with business colleagues or whatever, I'll keep my phone off and in my bag. And if there's something I'm really waiting to hear from, I'll excuse myself to go check my phone. But um, not everybody you subscribes that right. to that. Not everybody <laughs> subscribes to it. And sometimes my husband doesn't because he'll, I'll give, when I finally do check my phone, I've got a hundred messages. Why aren't you replying to me? <laughs> well. So I'll have to, I'll have to tell him about the, the value of the person in your presence. Um, but let's talk about that a little bit, because I think this is something everybody in today's world with a cell phone kind of struggles with. And it's for sure something I see my kids navigating is being present to the people that are in right there in front of you rather than this kind of fake presence that you might be having, um, you know, on Snapchat or whatever, whoever you're connecting with, it's much less of a real connection. And yet somehow it captures our attention and it seems to just pull us away from those real connections. Oh, it absolutely will. It pulls us away from real connections and you're missing what's right in front of you. That precious moment, that, that precious person, that's actually more important mm-hmm. than checking Twitter and checking Instagram every five minutes. Right. To, to see what everybody else is doing. Right. And this is something I think with our young people, especially that we, they won't get it. We just need to enforce it. I mean, I know that I did this just the other day with my son driving in the car, not a big deal. Not like I need to have a, a you know, an incredible heart to heart conversation with him when I pick him up from school, but he, he was oblivious to my presence. I was like his chauffeur, right? And he's taking all these photos of himself and sending them out on Snapchat. Well, you know what? That's that's rude, you know? even if we're... Can you repeat back to me what I just said? <laughs> right, that's a good test. <laughs> I get this blank stare like you were talking. Yeah, I'm sorry. I was Snapchatting. Yeah, yeah. so for sure. But I think that's a struggle. And, I, you know, as, as we continue on with technology in the way that we are and it's become such a ubiquitous part of our society I mean I think it's just going to become more and more of a challenge but I'm hopeful because I see people like you doing the kind of work you're doing and I see people that are responding to that like there's there's actually a need are you hearing that from your clients especially the moms who are dragging their little boys in there (laughs) I do I hear boy boy do we need you out there (laughs) people are aware that something's different. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Uh, yeah. I think that's so important. Um, so you have a social graces like workshop, right? I, I think I, I read about that on your website. And would, I that, did. would that be something that's specifically for students or um, I just, I just want listeners who are just now hearing about your work and what you do to know what kinds of programs might be available, what things they might be interested in taking advantage of. Uh, During the year, I have workshops for ages 5 to 15, and then I will do young adult workshops 16 to 25 years old. Okay. And is that right local to you, Um, just just local people? Yes. Okay. Yes. They do come in from from a ways away to spend time with me. Right. (laughs) And where are you located? I'm located in the Lehigh Valley okay. in Pennsylvania. Great. Okay. So in that area, people can avail themselves of that, but you also have an advice column. Is that available online? It is available online. That's called Respectfully Yours, and, and it's in the Lehigh Valley Press Focus. 
Okay. And it's in every week, and I answer questions. Okay. What what kind of questions do you get there? What are, what are some of your favorites? Oh, I love the food questions. Uh, there was just one. Am I supposed to eat pizza with my hands or with a fork and knife? <laughs> and the answer is, I hope. Uh, the answer is kind of complicated. If it's your main... <laughs> If it's your main course in a restaurant, you are supposed to use a fork and knife. Uh-huh. Okay. I think that one I've kind of gauged, like, depending on my company. Like, I've been yeah. in, in fancy places and kind of formal situations and gotten pizza and, like, I don't think I'm picking this up. But <laughs> for the most part, it I think most people It depends on the environment are. where you are. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. I love the foodie questions. Okay. Do you get foodie questions about, like, handling people with allergies and that kind of thing? I actually just had one about somebody went to somebody's house for dinner and brought their own food, not because of an allergy or a dietary restriction, but because they were a picky eater. <laughs> what was your response to that? Well, the host was gracious enough to ignore and not point it out. Right. But when you bring food to somebody's home, you should bring enough for everybody or talk to the host ahead of time. Right. <laughs> And right. not just show up at the door with your own personal little brown bag lunch. Uh, yeah, that strikes me as a little bit rude. <laughs> yeah, well, the whole point is what to do when you're dealing with rude people. Mm -hmm. You still have to be gracious. You don't point out, you have bad manners. Because that's bad manners. I like that. That's great. <laughs> I like that. Um, but yeah, but that's something that I've run into, I think, more and more with like kids in school and that sort of thing, making accommodations for people who have allergies or sensitivities, that there's just a certain level of just accommodating other people and not being, you know, a jerk about it or not being too put out by it, by, you know, the fact that you can't put peanut butter in something or something along those lines, I think is um, really an important thing. Exactly. We have a lot of gluten-free friends in the world now, and there's there's a lot of allergies and dietary restrictions with cholesterol and sodium. You just want to let your, your host know ahead of time, you know, what your specific needs are. Right. Yeah, I have a and friend who's gluten-free, and we were going to have um, a, a house guest stay with us for several days who eats gluten-free and so I asked her for some recipes and ideas and she the first thing she said to me was well don't don't say to this person what can you eat <laughs> and that was something nice. she, yeah that was something that she's encountered and I mean that's just terrible but I think just thinking a little bit about how the other person is going to feel with what how you're approaching them I think is really important um, it's no, about making everybody feel comfortable. Exactly. Yes. And isn't that ultimately what Manners is about? And we've talked about this on the podcast before, that this idea of hospitality, when you're inviting people into your home, it's about making people feel comfortable and welcome, not so much putting on a show for them. Wow, you got it 100%. Perfect. Nice. <laughs> awesome. Okay, now, Jacqueline, I, I'm on your website, and I didn't realize this, and I don't think it was in your bio. Do you have a book? I do. Cultivating courtesy in a very rude world. Uh, okay. <laughs> I love that. So we're definitely going to link to that in the show notes, but what will people find in the inside of that book? Is it uh, just general manners? Oh, it's a little booklet of home remedies for dealing with rude people. Uh -huh. We all need that because there are a lot of rude people out there. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> And you know, it's it, your your manners and your good at good positive attitude are contagious. Mm -hmm. So you want to do that? Yeah. Oh, definitely. 
Okay. I love that. Okay. So we'll definitely link to that in the show notes. Um, and then one last thing before we have to wrap up here, you, you mentioned to me that there was a wise older nun who told you something about planting seeds while they're young. And can you tell me a little bit about what your goal is with regard to manor seeds? Well, with little children, when you plant the seeds of gratitude and being gracious and being kind and being positive, they may forget about it through on and off during the course of their life, but a light bulb will go off at some point and they'll be like, somebody told me, and, and hopefully it comes back and it's positive in their life at some point, you know, all the information you learn as a child, mm-hmm. that it comes back when you're an adult and hopefully I'm planting the seeds of just being courteous and being grateful. Mm-hmm. That's great. So, yeah. And really encouraging to work with children in that way, I think, because um, you're really influencing the next generation in a really positive way. And they love it. They absolutely love it. They soak it up. So they're great to work with. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, Jacqueline, I want to thank you for taking the time to come on Girlfriends. Again, it's Jacqueline Yaust, my guest, who um, you can find out more about all of her work at JacquelineYaust.com. Read about her book. Read her etiquette expert column, which is called Respectfully Yours. You can also, if you're in her area in Pennsylvania there, take advantage of some of her workshops and other great offerings that she has has for kids and grown-ups and business people alike. Thank you, Jacqueline, for coming on. God bless you and all that you're doing. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Danielle. Thank you. And welcome back. Now it's the time of the show where I share with you a little bit of feedback that I've received from listeners. And um, this week I've got a couple of emails that I'm going to share. This first one was sent to me from Kim who says, Hi Danielle, on your recent podcast about goals for 2019, you mentioned dinner time. I have six children under 10. When they come in from school, they want to snack and then dinner is tough to set. You mentioned snacking. How do you manage that when they are starving but dinner is not ready so you can establish a good dinner time routine? Thanks, Kim. Thank you, Kim, for that feedback because I can relate. I did mention snacking because snacking is a problem sometimes. I've got kids who, if I let them, would just snack through their whole day and never actually sit down and have an actual meal. Not the best approach and not a great way for me to kind of keep an eye on their nutrition. So I'm right there with you. It is a struggle, but I also understand kids that walk in the door after school and they're starving. Um, Okay. So uh, there are two different ways that I have approached this. Um, my kids who go to school right now generally um, stay after school for various activities. So they're home, you know, between 4.30 and 6.30 is when they're coming home. So during those times of the year when they're involved in after school activities, it's pretty easy for me to make sure I'm planning dinner to be ready during that time, which might mean an early dinner. You know, if I know they're coming home at 4.30, I'll plan a five o'clock dinner, which is pretty early. Um, You know, we eat dinner as late as eight o'clock sometimes. um, So it's kind of out of place a little bit, but that way I can know it's ready and um, I can encourage everybody to sit down and share a meal at that time. The other way is to embrace the snacks, okay? And this is how we kind of got in the habit of later dinner times sometimes, where if I'm busy in the afternoon anyway, I will make sure that they have um, a limited snacks. Now, the way that you do this, of course, my kids are older now and they can go in the pantry. I 
I don't like the idea of locking a pantry. I won't lock my pantry. But uh, what really helps is having a set snack for like what you have planned for them. And I find my kids are really receptive to that because who doesn't want food that's ready made and prepared for them, right? So if you know some of their favorite things that you think are um, nutritionally appropriate, then yeah, make sure you have some of those ready. Some favorites of my kids are like nuts, um, some vegetables and dip, certain kinds of crackers and cheese, um, that sort of thing. And then if that's the set snack, you can encourage them to have that snack and then have a little bit of a later dinner time to accommodate for the fact that they've had that snack. And maybe you and maybe um, your husband or younger kids also need to have a snack. Um, and then have a more relaxed family mealtime later. So you're having a later dinner. It's not perfect. Um, but for sure, I appreciate the struggle with snacks. And I know some people do lock their pantries. This is something um, that I am interested in, but I just, some part of me feels like I just reject it at my core. Like, I don't want to be locking food away from my kids. Um, if my children are hungry, I want to allow them to eat food. But we do, um, for sure, I have experimented with like a shelf in the pantry, like do not touch this, uh, do not touch this shelf. And I mostly expect my kids to respect that um, as one way of kind of like, that's for you know a meal I'm planning, that's for a special event, whatever, it's off limits, um, because they will. In, in those of you who have older kids know, they will just graze through everything you bring home from the grocery store. I remember years ago, my mom who raised nine of us saying, I'm not going to buy ice cream because you guys will just eat it. Well, duh, of course. <laughs> but now I totally get it because there's stuff that I don't buy because they will just eat it. And it will probably replace a more nutritious meal for them. And um, it's just going to be gone. And that's it. <laughs> really no benefit there. So certain things we buy as a special treat, but otherwise I'm not going to be buying them regularly. So anyway, those are just some words of encouragement and solidarity for you there, Kim. I know it's a struggle. Other people might have other ideas for ways they handle snacks with their kids. How do you control the snacking so that it doesn't dis disrupt mealtimes, let me know. I'd love to hear from you, Danielle at daniellebean.com or send me a voicemail. You know I love to hear from you that way. Okay, the next bit of feedback I have is a fairly long involved, thank you, Kelly, email from listener Kelly. And this is on um, the topic of decluttering. She was responding to the listener who had written in asking, um, her name was Carrie, asking for some tips on keeping things clean and clutter-free. Now, I already shared with you at the top of today's show that I'm planning to do a whole podcast about this, but Kelly's ideas are really good and she's sharing them with us here. So it might be a way to kind of whet our appetites for taking a deeper dive into this idea of decluttering. So here are some of the tips that Kelly wrote in to share. Number one, I divided the job of cleaning the whole house into small tasks for each day over a week. I actually did mine over Monday through Thursday due to our family schedules and trying to be mindful to keep holy the Sabbath. One day I cleaned the kitchen dining room and the main bath, the next the master bath and general dusting, the next vacuuming, etc., etc. Some days I break up the daily tasks, 15 minutes here and 15 minutes there. Some days it all happens after the kids go to bed. When available, my kids and husband help and it goes faster. It's nice to have a clean house every week and with cleaning so often, nothing gets that dirty. Yes, really good point. <laughs> when you're staying on top of it, it's never an overwhelming task. So that's a good tip, Kelly. Kelly's next tip is... I use Evernote and scan all documents and shred them after. That way documents are at my fingertips at all times. I have an Evernote app on my phone. 
or to attach an, to an email if needed. I scanned information from the kids' school, invitations, paid bills, tax info, even sentimental letters and cards because I find I read them over more often this way. I also take a quick picture of kids' art when they bring it home so that if the item gets lost or damaged after it's displayed, I have an image of it forever. I also often include the pictures of the art in the photo book that I make at the end of the year. That's the next tip. I make a digital photo book of all the pics I take of my family each year. I make a folder in my computer yearbook 2019. And about once per month, I pop the best pictures my husband and I have taken in this folder. In addition to scanned images, memories of activities we did together, etc., and pictures of art projects, making it easy to upload the photos to a book at the end of the year. I like this idea. I'm a little inspired, but a little intimidated. Okay. All right. Being honest, Kelly. Okay. Next, I'm really digging Marie Kondo. So this is right along the lines of what we're talking about. Her book and her new show on Netflix. You really can organize clutter only so much. And I've realized that I've been hanging on to a lot of things that do not bring my family joy and that we just don't need. I was getting frustrated cleaning things up over and over again. Once we pared things down, we are all much happier and clutter is more controlled. I realized that none of this is universal and what works for me may not work for everyone. I decided to share in the hopes that someone else might need the same advice that I did before I started these habits. Thanks again, Danielle, Kelly. Thank you, Kelly. Those are really useful and I think inspiring. Okay, so like she said, it may or may not work for you, um, but I think the idea that we can share what is working for us, and especially those of us who have small children, which is its own unique challenge, or those of us who have large families, which are their own unique challenge, or those of us who tend more toward being pack rats, which is its own unique challenge. Um, I think all of these perspectives are helpful for us to share in this way, and we can really enjoy um, our lives more, enjoy our homes more, enjoy time with our families more. One thing about clutter um, it, that I've noticed is the mental toll that it takes on us. And we'll talk about this in the upcoming episode that's specifically talking about clutter. But I want to encourage you in the coming week to think about the ways in which clutter might be holding you down, holding you back, weighing you down, even if you're not physically dealing with it, just the, the presence of it in your daily environment. How does it affect your mood? How does it affect your feeling of what you can accomplish? How does it affect your your family relationships? How does it affect how easy it is to find that thing when you open that drawer, right? <laughs> Getting down to the basics. Anyway, like I said at the beginning of the show, I'd love to have your feedback on this topic and any other topics, maybe about the etiquette that we shared with about Jacqueline on today's show. I always love to hear from you. You can always email me as Kelly did and as Kim did, danielle at daniellebean.com or send me a voicemail. You can just record a voice memo on your phone and send it to that email address. Or if you have Voxer, that fun app for sharing voice messages, you can connect with me on Voxer using the link that's included in every episode of the Girlfriends podcast show notes that are always available at ascensionpress.com. All right. I want to thank you for being here. I want to thank those of you who've sent in feedback, all the various ways that you encourage and support what we're doing here at Girlfriends. I want to give one last shout out to our Facebook group. If you're not already a member of the Girlfriends Podcast Facebook group, we would love to have you join us for the conversations we're having there. We often talk about the topics that are going on um, inside the podcast, but other things too, and people share questions from their own lives. 
things they're struggling with, looking for resources, it's a great way to connect with other women who share a lot of your values, share a lot of your perspective, probably share a lot of those same challenges that you're facing every day. So to connect with us on the Facebook group, you can go to facebook.com slash groups slash girlfriends podcast. The link to connect there is always in the show notes at ascensionpress.com. Thank you so much for being here with me for this episode of Girlfriends. I love connecting with you here. I love that you're listening and I love the community that we're building here together. So thank you for your presence here. It truly is a gift to me. And until next time, I hope you enjoy your day and God bless your week. Girlfriends is a collaboration between DanielleBean.com and Ascension, the leader in Catholic faith formation. 